Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. We're in a ministry, or we're discussing the ministry of Jesus right now. We're looking at the way he founded the kingdom of heaven. He showed the Father to people and then made disciples who would be disciple makers. And we're right in the middle. Tonight, Jesus starts, eh, maybe he started earlier, I don't know. But he begins this idea that we have a purpose and a mission. And I want to grab on to that tonight as we look at Luke 8. We are, that's not a body, just in case you're worried. <laughs> a lot of people associate ministry to paid church ministry. A lot of people associate ministry with, you have to go overseas and find people that are, that are starving to preach Jesus. But ministry is so much more attainable. It's so much more for all of us than something that's put up on a pedestal. Ministry is, is simply this. Uh, I, I wrote it down. This is, this is my attempt at a definition. It is communicating the good news of the gospel about Jesus through our words and actions. It's sharing the good news of Jesus through love using actions and words. And that's all of us. We are all ministers of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, is when Jesus calls them together and he says, go into all the world, beginning here, go there, and then further out. Start where you're at now, and wherever you go in life, move and breathe and live to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And guess what, guys? I'm going to be with you always. Jesus' last words. Another thing that I love is, is in Corinthians. And uh, sorry, it's going to take me a minute to pull this out. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, it says this. Now all things are of God who are reconciled, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So God has called us to be ministers of showing the world how to have their sins forgiven through Jesus, to reconcile them to the Father through Jesus Christ. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Do y'all see this? Ambassadors that are called that, that to other people, it's like God is pleading through us to know him, to be reconciled to God. That is us. We are called to be ministers. Whether you're a plumber or a student or a teacher or a salesman or whatever, we are still called as God's people into ministry wherever we are. 
Any of God's people in here? Uh, Y'all can give me a shout. Have Have you been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? Has Jesus made a difference in your life? All right. We're God's people in here. We are, we are sent. We are apostles, the sent. And we have, we, have many, we have several different motives. We have motives because we, we obey because Jesus told us to. We obey because we see a world around us that's hurting and we know the antidote to that disease of sin. But we're also motivated by the fact that we've been changed and we want those around us to experience that kind of love. A very personal motivation. (laughs) We experienced being dry earth and a seed was planted in us. We didn't deserve it, but a seed was planted in us and it was watered and it was fertilized and it grew just a little teeny tiny green sprout. We had this this little concept of of this whole Jesus thing. And we kept growing and we kept learning and we were reading the Bible and learning from people and we grow and grow and and we sprout and we try and we fail sometimes and we keep trying. And the sunlight continues to feed us and we keep growing and growing. And you know what? I don't think we ever on this side of eternity reach maturity and full growth. But we keep going and we keep pushing. Keep developing as God's people. Jesus spoke in parables often. He loved telling stories, particularly the stories that related to where people were right then and there. And he loved telling stories about agriculture because most of the people that he was talking to worked the fields. And he tells this great story in, in Luke chapter 8. And I'm sure you've heard it before. And I hope to put a twist on it tonight that will make it relevant to all of us. So Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 4. And you're going to read the parable with me. It's good stuff. Are you all ready? And be thinking, who am I going to be? All right. Verse 8. Or chapter 8, verse 4. Then when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke a parable. A sower, a farmer, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. It's like outside the field. Fell by the wayside. And it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it out. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop of a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, Who has ears to hear? Let him hear. It's like Jesus going, Hey guys, if you have the ability to understand what I'm saying, listen up. If you if you are born with ears, pay attention, because I've got stuff coming your way. Then the disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it's given in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. All right, so what's the seed? All right, the word of God. Excellent. We're on the same page. I mean, not unless you're on 1,413. The parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. I see this happening all the time. This is like when you're in church and then church like huddle breaks. And before you get to lunch, you forgot everything that you heard that morning. I mean, I don't know about you, but that happens to me. 
I mean, I can be honest. That happens to me. I'm so busy trying to beat the Baptists to like the nearest buffet that I've totally forgotten what the preacher said. This is, this is also totally relevant if maybe you're sitting out there and you're distracted. Maybe you're watching the girl three aisles over. Don't lie. Maybe you're distracted because you have something dramatic going on in your life and you're like, I can't believe this is going on right now. I'm so frustrated with this person. And so you're not hearing a thing. Seeds are falling on this wayside and it's just getting snatched up because you can't pay attention. You can't follow what's going on. That happens. That's real life and Jesus knows it. What's the next one? But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, then these have no root, who believe for a while in time, and then in time of temptation, they fall away. This is the ones that people are like, that was awesome. And then they leave and they're like, I'm doing it. I'm going full, full throttle towards Jesus. Yeah. And then like, it doesn't take much for them to fall right back into the old way, right back into the old crowd. Their friends are still around. They're still being influenced by the same things, the same music, movies, people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they leave so excited, but it just doesn't stick because they had no root system. A root system looks like you having your daily quiet time. It doesn't have to be quiet. You can get up and shout and be all excited for Jesus. It doesn't have to be quiet. Your daily God time. A root system looks like having a community that you're a part of on a weekly basis, a church that you call home. A root system looks like having a couple spotters in your life that you talk to and communicate with on a regular basis and you hold each other accountable. That's that kind of root system that digs deep and it holds. Now, the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. These are the people that get it. They start growing. They start putting down roots. And then after time goes by, their priorities start being challenged. And school or sports or a job or something like that becomes more important than getting that time with Christ, than returning back to that regular community of believers that helps you start pulling away from your accountability partners or start taking up too much time for you to have your daily God time. Those daily things. And you can watch this happen. You can watch someone, all of a sudden, they like kind of disappear from the youth group, right? And then after they're gone a little while, all of a sudden, all their social media starts getting a little bit darker and a little bit more maybe risque or, or, or whatever. You see it happen from afar. It's so frustrating. It's so disappointing. It's because we get our priorities out of line. Either God is our number one priority or he is not the God of our heart. And that's hard to swallow, that is hard to say, this is what a Christian looks like. God is first over our dreams, over our desires, over what we want for ourselves. God is number one, period. And then everything else comes second, distant second to that. Then finally, but the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. See, the difference between the ones in the thorns and the ones that fall on good soil is those that fall on good soil bear fruit. If you ever want to do a litmus test of spiritual maturity, ask the question, and this is uncomfortable, am I reproducing my love for Jesus in someone else? That's my challenge. Pastors, 
Are they reproducing their love for Jesus and somebody else? Because that's the sign of maturity. That's the sign of bearing fruit. Because Jesus says, go and make disciples. And disciples make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Are you following me? And so if you want to do a litmus test on your own spiritual maturity, ask yourself, am I discipling somebody? Am I rubbing off on somebody? Is their love for Christ growing because I'm doing everything I can to pour myself into them? It's kind of uncomfortable. But that's spiritual maturity. They bear much fruit. Immediately after this parable, Jesus goes on and he talks about that lamp, that when it's lit, you know, a little fire. Like, how silly is it to put it under someone's bed or under a basket? Like, that's dumb. Why would you waste your oil and light a lamp if you're not going to give light to anybody? I like the way he says it in Matthew. In Matthew 5.13, he tells a similar story. And he says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? If it is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot, pay attention. You are the light of the world. A city up on a hill, it can't be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your Father in heaven. We have to be a light. So they look at us and go, whoa. That was God. They don't have to be Christians to get it. They just go, something's different about it. I don't understand. How are they good to their enemies? How are they loving the people that use and abuse them? I don't understand. Who is this person? And you give glory to God. We're just the moon. We're just reflecting him. We are, we are called. Hmm. The sower in this story is absolutely Jesus, no doubt about it. But I don't think that Jesus intentionally limits that perspective to himself only. Being that he followed it up with this thing about being a light, I think he intends for us to stretch out of the box of just being him. And I think he expects us to step into the shoes of the sower that we are the ones scattering seed wherever we go, that we are ministers of the gospel. All right, so I've got this illustration in mind. <laughs> now, you're going to have to bear with me. I'm going to need some patience, and I'm going to need you to be very involved, and you're certainly going to be involved. This is an everybody participation thing. We are called to scatter seed. So I'm going to scatter some seed. And it's going to be in the form of ping pong balls. I have 200. And you're going to know what soil you are, because on the ping pong ball, it's going to be labeled birds, thorns, rocks, good soil. All right, so are you guys ready for this? Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> Who didn't get one? There you go. Oh, I don't know if that'll reach. Anybody else? 
Who didn't get one? Raise your hands. There's more than enough. Uh, I don't know if that'll reach back there. Put your hands up if you didn't get one. If you don't have one, put your hand up. There's more than enough to go around. Woo! Do we have any injuries? Did I do good not injuring anybody? Oh, took out your collarbone? Man, that took a long time. Anybody else? All right, shh. If you got birds, give me an elevate! All of you got birds? All right, if you got thorns, give me an elevate. If you got rocks, give me an elevate. If you got fertile soil, give me an elevate. Ooh, did y'all notice something? Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 13 says something kind of scary. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are a few who find it. There is actually less than half of the good soil ping pong balls distributed than there are the rest of them. For example, if you got good soil, give me an elevate. elevate. If you got something else, give me an elevate. elevate. Right. I don't know about you, but a verse like that scares me. A verse that says, hey, it's narrow and it's hard to find that right path. It's hard to be on that right path, but the opposite? It's huge. It's wide open. And you know what? Everybody's going that way. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm kind of like logically minded. And to me, it, I'm like, hey, sower, why'd you waste so much seed? Why weren't you like targeting the good soil? Like, hello, sower, what's up with that? And especially, God, if you're calling me to be a sower, I'm not okay with the idea that more than 75% of my efforts are just, what? Wasted? Now I want to make a point here. Like I said, everybody's participating. First of all, God only knows hearts. And you know what? He may call me to be obedient and to plant a seed in somebody's life. And you know what? It lands on rocks. But God was using this in a step along the way that Bailey may come along two years later and plants a seed, and that one sticks because God knows hearts, and he calls us to be obedient. All right. I want to read Luke 8, 8 again. It says this, But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop of 100-fold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I want to prove a point. If you got good soil, I want you to make your way to the aisle. I want you to stand up and make your way to the aisle. This is awesome. All right, get where you're mobile, where you can move around. Fantastic. Shh. All right, if you are anybody else, I want you to put you up your hand and be ready for a high five, okay? Now, whenever you get a high five, put your hand down 
Elevate! Whenever you get a high five, I want you to put your hand down. Now, like I said, there are less than half of the number of good soil than they are any other individual. But at good soil, pay attention. I want you to go and give 10 high fives. Go. And then sit down. Is there anybody left? Put your hand up high. We got some people that are left. Awesome. Give 10 and sit down. Excellent. Grab your seats. Now, the example you just saw, was anybody missed? All right, I want you to know, there were about 20 or less good soil, and there were 44 or more of everything else each. Now, don't miss this, because this is important. This is the whole point that I would do this crazy shenanigan and risk knocking somebody out. I thought about throwing a golf ball and be like, stay on your toes, ha! Huh? This is, this is the point. If you miss this point, then you miss this whole goofy illustration. What you just did and what you saw with your eyes was a tenfold reproduction. But God says those that fall on good soil will reproduce 100-fold. In Matthew, it says 30, 60, or 100-fold. So don't miss this. When we are obedient to Christ, when we will be obedient in patience, he will overwhelm anything that we see might have been wasted. He will overwhelmingly reproduce because it is not me that saves people. It is not me that makes one step further for the kingdom of heaven. It is 100% God who is in charge. And my only commission is to scatter seed. And he will bring the reproduction. He will bring the fruit. He will bring the one, Jesus that overwhelmingly grows and bears fruit. So I got to take the weight off of you. It is no longer your job to save your friends, but it's your job to scatter seed and to be a light. It's no longer your job to take the United States by storm or even your school. It's your job to scatter seed and be obedient and faithful to do so. And that's not easy. Your job is just to be faithful and let the Holy Spirit do his job. There's a goofy story about a youth pastor. And every Friday, he'd go to a middle school where a couple of his students were, and he just brought a box of donuts, and he'd sit down with his box of donuts, to the point that he became known as the donut man. But every week, he'd take a box of donuts. I'm not even sure which story I want to branch off into. Lord? Okay, so he met a young man named TJ. And TJ was just this goofy kid. And, you know, the youth pastor was restrained by the rule that kids can't come and have lunch with them unless their parents turn in a note. And TJ took forever to finally, like, commit and get a note turned in from his parents. And he only had a few weeks with his youth pastor before he graduated the middle school and went on where the youth pastor couldn't have lunch anymore. Years passed, no communication between them, until the youth pastor learned that TJ had taken a gun to school with the intent of going into the school bathroom and killing himself. Someone spotted the gun in his backpack. Of course, TJ was arrested, taken to juvenile detention center. And this was the first time the youth pastor had, had any knowledge of what had gone on. He reached out to the family, 
try to get, get in touch to go travel and meet him uh, at, at Juvie, and it didn't work out. Everything sort of faded again where there was no communication until one day the youth pastor heard that TJ's dad died. And the youth pastor had no idea how to make connection with him or, or anything, but he knew where he lived. So went over, drove by his house, wrote down the address, ran back to the office, and sent a box of flowers to the address saying, you know, sorry for your loss, love you, sign their church. Two days later, TJ calls a youth pastor and says, please, you're the, you're, only, you're the only person that's been consistent in my life. Consistent. It was donuts, juvie, and death. You're the only one who's been consistent in my life. Will you please do the funeral for my dad? Beginning with that funeral, TJ got plugged into a Bible study with a few other guys and became a regular member of that Bible study. Eventually, I, mean, I think it's just very recently, he's finally got that, he's out from under that record, he can go back to school again and move forward. And he's got this circle of guys that are pouring into him that he is growing and being a part of. And it all started with donuts. Because it wasn't about saving everybody. It was about being faithful to just keep planting seeds wherever the possibility is. You don't have to be a youth pastor to do that. I almost hesitated to even say it was a youth pastor because I want you to know that you can be that anywhere to anybody. God can use you on any level at any age. We are called to be ambassadors, ministers. I want to close with this. Sorry, I went long again. Second <laughs> Timothy 4, 1 through 2. This is the definition of a minister. Paul writes to Timothy, and Timothy's a young guy. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all patience and teaching. Preach the word. Be ready whether you are on or you are not. If something comes at you sideways, be ready. Be prayed up. Be in the word. Be ready to scatter seed. We're going to break into our e-groups. I want to pray for us really quick. Heavenly Father, give us courage. Help us to open our mouths and open our hands so that the Holy Spirit can work through us. Bless the e-group leaders. Give them direction and guidance. Lord, you are in control. You are in charge. Let tonight glorify you and let us glorify you with our actions. In Jesus' name, amen.